One of the things that we are constantly confronted with in our world is the matter of change. Nothing really remains the same. There is always fluidity. Even in our environment, the seasons come and go. Even the landscape changes with the seasons as we watch the ground being ploughed and sowed and then the harvest time coming. There is change. We're very aware of our changeable weather. We seldom can say tomorrow is going to be another lovely, warm, sunny day without a cloud in the sky. That's not the kind of weather we normally get. Even over time, the riverbed, which sometimes you might think doesn't change much, does change. The river cuts down further into its bed or it meanders and cuts into new banks. And over time, it changes. With all these changes around us, we know how we change. We get older. We change. Nothing remains the same. And change brings its challenges. We note that not only do people change, but the very promises that we make are not certain. So often, we might say we will do something only to have to adjust our promise because we're not able to or because the whole circumstances of life have changed. Even uh, those things that are closest to us, we change. Over these evenings, we have been thinking about some of the attributes of God. And this evening, I want to speak about the immutability of God. Or let's simplify that, the Lord unchanging. That is the subject I want to bring to you this evening. The Lord our God, the immutable God, the unchanging God. And as we think about this, we want to think of it from the text that we read in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Here God says, I, the Lord, do not change. But then he points in the direction of how this is a benefit to certain people. And so he says, So, or therefore, O descendants of Jacob, you're not destroyed. So there are a group of people who benefit from the fact that God is immutable or unchanging. And then the third aspect of this is we note the benefit that is brought or derived from this fact that God remains ever the same. Here in Malachi, the prophet has been speaking to God's people. And the word of God has come accusing them of various things. And the tact of Malachi is, as in this chapter, he throws out a question like, as we do here, uh, in an accusation rather, he says, you return to me, and they ask, how will return? And then God says, well, you're robbing me. And they ask, how do we rob you? And that's been the question and answer uh, way in which Malachi has confronted the wickedness of Israel and brought them to know that they do not deserve anything from God but his wrath. 
And so in the midst of that argumentation, we come to verse 6 in chapter 3. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, destroyed. And as you glean even from thinking about that verse, there's great encouragement to be had to the people of God from the thought that God does not change. The first thing we want to think about more fully then is the fact that God is unchanging, the immutability of God. He says here to us, I do not change. And indeed the whole of Scripture, it is the unchanging nature of God that underpins so much of the Word. How are we to think about God in this way? Well, the best way I think is to think about certain aspects of God. Let's think first of all of God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit in their being or in their essence and substance. And we can say that in that God does not change. Now we know that in our being, in our essence, we change. We are continually developing and changing. As people start off As children, we grow into maturity. There's change. Then sadly, we get beyond the maturity uh, to even greater maturity and where the wrinkles begin to appear and we get older. And change continues until the day when the Lord will call us. But even in our personalities and inside and our, our beings, we change, hopefully, under Christ for the good. But we know what changes. But in all of these things, the essence of God does not change. What he was before the creation of the world, he is, in essence, exactly the same today. He is the unchanging God. Or we could look at this matter from the point of view of his attributes. And perhaps this is the point where it is most helpful to us We can say, for example, that God does not change in his power. We think of his powerful acting to create the world, the universe, and all that is in it. What mighty power was there. But that same powerful God has not changed. And it is the same mighty working God who is still before us when we worship him. He is a God of power still today. What he did did then, he would still be able to do today if he so desired. Or we can think of the wisdom of God as we see it deployed in creation. Remember, the heavens and the earth, they display the attributes of God and We think of the wisdom, the way in which the whole of creation is brought together. God has not gained in wisdom, nor has he lost anything in wisdom. As men and women, we know what it is to learn and to gain an understanding in wisdom. We also know what it is sometimes to fail in wisdom, to have less understanding and be weak. But our God is unchanging in all of these things. 
A third, another thing that we might say is that he has not changed in his justice. We can think of how we see him in the Old Testament dealing with godless people, with wicked men. And of course it's something that many in our world cannot grasp that God in wrath punished the godless. Israel took over the nations of Canaan. Why? It wasn't that God was being uh, uh, favorite towards but them? Well, yes, in a way, but those nations rejected God. They had no time for God. They fought against God. And in his justice, he gave them over to death because that he was for his glory. And the same God of justice acts today against the ungodly. Of course, over and against that, we have the positive. He does not vary in his love or in his goodness. The generosity and the benevolence of God the Father is the same today as it has always been. When we see him in the Old Testament caring for Abraham and being with him and guiding him. It's the same loving Father who guides and directs today. When we read of the stories in Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace, God in his love preserved them who kept his word. And in that covenant love, he has not changed. He is not less loving or more loving. He is the same covenant love to all who truly seek Him. The covenant love that is unswerving and unchanging as it is demonstrated to us in Jesus Christ who came into the world to bear the justice of God's wrath against sin that we might be saved. And it's the same salvation we have as Daniel had. Daniel looked forward to Christ for the unchanging God had already set in eternity that that would be how sinners would be saved. So the Old Testament uh, believers looked to the Messiah. We also look to the Messiah because of God's unchanging covenant love to his people. We could say that that love, that covenant is unchanging. If God doesn't change, then his covenant is not change. His plans do not change. We take our plans and we come against an obstacle and we have to adopt, adapt them and maybe amend them. Not so with the power and the unchanging God. What he purposes, he carries through, for he has the power to do so, and it doesn't change. Some places in the scripture it does refer to God. Um, in one place it talks about changing his mind, but that is not changing his mind or changing his plans as we think about it. It is simply God working with people, and we need to be studying that passage, but he is unchanging. He is working out his ways with men. God is the immutable, unchanging God. And it is flowing out of this that we can have such 
encouragement. Think, for example, even of his promises. And think about what it would mean if God was changeable. Imagine someone has promised you something, but you know that they're like a straw in the wind and they waver about and you're never sure. Would you believe them? Would you take that promise as absolutely certain? I doubt it. But our God, when he makes his promise, is unchanging. That word that he has spoken is 100% certain and sure. If anybody wavers, it will be us. If it fails, it's our fault, not the unchanging God. In fact, whenever we read the Old Testament, it was Balaam, uh, whenever he was asked to curse God by Balak, uh, we read in Numbers of how he then speaks, and he speaks God's word. And these are his words uh, when he was asked to curse the Israelites. Balaam had to say this under God. He says, God is not a man lie, nor a son of man, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the answer to those two questions, of course, is no, no, not at all. If God speaks, he acts. If he promises, it will be fulfilled. He will not change He will not change either in the everlasting punishment of unrepentant sinners. That cannot and does not change. Already mentioned as justice. Some people seem to think that somehow at the end of time God will just say, oh, it's all right. But the unchanging God cannot change the everlasting destruction that is already in place For those who do not believe, it will not change. His love and his mercy do not change. Neither do his words that are solemn and heart-searching. That those who do not seek him will be cast out from him. What an unchanging God. Another aspect of this that should be a great encouragement is this. If God is unchanging, then the objects of his love do not change. In other words, those whom he has loved from the foundation of the world do not change. It's a mind-blowing truth that you and I who know Jesus Christ have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And God's love set on us, and those whom he has called and chosen will not change. He does not change. The depths of those things, sometimes we just must accept and can't query because we can't get our heads round this. It is so foreign to the way in which we know we act. Sometimes today people choose someone. They're going to love them with all their hearts and they do love them. And they enter into the marriage bond even and such depth is there and you think we'll never change. This is it. But over time, sadly, 
those bonds are loosened, change comes. The love dies. Or it's not worked out as it should be. And the whole thing goes apart. That will never happen with those upon whom God has set the object of his love, his people. God, the immutable God. But then, secondly, and for our help, we need to think about the persons who receive benefit. Here in our text we read, O Lord, I the Lord do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob. And it's interesting that that's the, the phrase that is used here by Malachi. It reminds them who their forefather was. Who was Jacob? Well, Jacob was the chosen one. Esau was the one who was the older. Jacob was the younger and didn't deserve to have the birthrights. He was the one grasping at the heel at the birth of these two. But Jacob was chosen and yet he was a conniving uh, man. He, he tricked his brother into selling his birthright. Although Esau was at fault too. But Jacob was a deceiver. He deceived his father into receiving a blessing. These people that God is speaking to us are the descendants of Jacob. They are the ones chosen and called by God despite all their many faults. And Israel, as Malachi is pointing out to them, had plenty of faults. They were a people who had rejected God often, who had wandered far from Him. And yet, they are God's chosen people. These are those who are going to receive the wonderful blessing of the unchanging God. And we today can expand that into thinking of the descendants of Jacob as being those who are in Christ. For what were you, or what was I, before we were called to faith? We were Jacob's, every one of us, deceivers and uh, selfish and thinking only about our own way. Was there anything in you that commended you to God that he should call you and bring you to faith? There was nothing. And you know your sinful heart that there was nothing deserving of God's call upon you. But he has loved you and called you. You're a descendant of Jacob by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have come to know God to worship Him and to serve Him. And yet, even as a believer, you look at your life, if you're honest with yourself, and you must say, what a miserable Christian I am. So often, you stand in the very precipice of sin, and it's only by God's almighty grace that He holds you from dropping over into terrible and utter sin. He grasps you and holds you back. These are the people, you and I, who gain much from the unchanging God who has set his love upon us. 
It is out of our spiritual poverty that we call upon the Lord because He has loved us. Because He sent His Son to die for us. And if you would be one to benefit from the unchanging nature of God, then you must be in Christ by faith. Not just acknowledging Jesus as as the one who came as a Messiah, but actually believing in Him, handing your life over to Him, as I said this morning, resting all on Jesus for salvation. Depending absolutely nothing on yourself, for you have no good to present to Him. Yes, we are all, as it were, descendants of Jacob when we come to God through Jesus Christ. And we can rejoice today that our descendants of Jacob, by faith, the seed of Abraham, in every nation, tribe, language around the world, and others are yet finding the mercy of God. And when they come to the Scripture, they'll be able to say, it's not a tremendous blessing that God is an unchanging God. An unchanging God. He does not waver nor go back. He doesn't fluctuate in any way. His word is absolutely sure. And it is from that that thirdly we want to note the benefit that is received. What is the benefit that is received? Well, here from Malachi we read that so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Why were they not destroyed? Because God, in his unchanging nature, had chosen them to be his covenant people. And he had set his love upon them. The Israel of God were his people. And though they have not walked in his ways, going to discipline them and bring them back, that they should be his. If God had changed, he might well have destroyed them in his anger at their sinfulness, in his frustration at their ongoing, perpetual denying of him and leaving his ways. You can picture that in a relationship. Perhaps there are two people, maybe have a family, and they, they begin well, but one of them keeps going off, and the other says to him, look, you're doing what is wrong. And in love, he keeps trying to bring him back. But eventually, patience might wear thin with human beings, and we would say, well, that's what, if, that, if you're going to persist in this, then I have nothing more to do with you. And sadly, that's the way some people do act with family members and with other friends too. They just, if you're persisting in wrongdoing, I want nothing more to do with We change. The love is gone. How wonderful that our God does not change. And although we must frustrate Him again and again and again, what benefit we derive that He does not change His love to us is ever new. And so when we come to him, we can be assured that his promise that doesn't change is for us. 
despite the fact that we are Jacob's, descendants of Jacob, we won't be cut off. We will not be consumed or destroyed by God because through Christ we have been made his own and we're called to him from the very foundation of the world. What a tremendous benefit that is to the soul of man who knows God. That doesn't mean that we will go out and simply live selfish lives for ourselves. That's to show no understanding of God and His love. It is to say, well, I don't really appreciate God at all. Rather, to understand this will mean that we will delight in God. We will want to serve Him. We'll be drawn ever closer to Him. We will listen to His promises and say, this promise is for me. My Savior will never leave me nor forsake me. And no matter what I have done wrong, I can take my back to to it and say, God is forgiven and I can begin again to seek to change and live to the glory of God. What benefit there is to know that when we read the scripture, this word is unchanging and every generation that comes to it, the same truth will apply to them. How true a blessing it is then to know the unchanging God. And to know this, that when we do make our mistakes, when we fall The Lord God Almighty doesn't change toward us, but will lift us up. He has defeated Satan. And in our hearts and minds we know, though we don't deserve a thing from him, he keeps us from destruction when we look to Christ. Many a time we might be lingering with sin, What a joy that our God sometimes draws us back and says, I love you enough. I'm not going to let you. When we pray, lead us not into temptation. We're saying, Lord, keep us away from all where we might fall. And give us the strength to resist the evil one. What are we in the sight of God? We are nothing. We are nothing. There's nothing in us to commend us to Him. Even as believers, we have nothing to plead with God. What are you going to say to God that He might look upon you in mercy? I have prayed. How weak and stumbling our prayers. I have read your word. How, lack, how much we lack an understanding of the word. The only thing, even as believers, we can plead with God is, Lord, you have brought me to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. And I plead with you, the unchanging God, keep me, keep me. You see, when we turn to Malachi, God had already spoken to them at the very beginning of this oracle from his prophet. In chapter 1, verse 2, we read uh, God's word, I have loved you, says the Lord. And he has loved them. And of course, back then, the question comes, how have, we lo- how have you loved us? They don't recognize God's hand upon them because they're so dull of spirit. I wonder, has that been 
your case and mine at times that so slow to recognize God's love even in the ordinary things of life. But He has loved us and in His unchanging care over us, He will keep us to the end of the earth. Meditate upon God as the unchanging God. Think about the fact that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can say that, but have we really thought about it? Think about what that means for the people of God who will receive benefit from it. His word is sure and certain. What he has spoken, he will truly prove. And may we then derive the benefit of encouragement to the soul to bring honor and glory to his name. Take these things home and ponder them. And may they do you good and bring you closer to the Lord who does not change.